0: It's
1: Tony Katz Today.
0: Welcome back to Tony Katz Today. I'm your guest host, Kira Davis. It's been a pleasure to be with you today. We're we're pulling into our final hour here. I'm not broadcasting to you from the crossroads of America, but I am broadcasting to you from America's left wing, which could fall into the sea at any moment. We're experiencing huge rainstorms here. We're not ever prepared for uh, but it's been a pleasure to be with you today we've been talking a lot about education i just want to say really quickly before we get on to our next story just to reiterate what our last caller said jam you know you have to understand when it comes to public education your child really is just a number to these people their 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 data their statistics their their dollars from the federal government just like i told you that one parent stood up at our school board meeting and said, you know, the minute my daughter graduated, all these teachers and administrators who are secretly transitioning, they had nothing to do with her anymore. We've never heard from them. They don't know who she is, where she is, what she does. They immediately, she she was a non-entity to them the second she graduated. Parents, you're the forever person for your child. You're the one who will be there for them forever not these schools, not these school boards, not these teachers, not these administrators, as well-intentioned as any of them might be. You are the one who has to deal with the fallout of of an insane education system. So you feel free to stand up. All right, talking about standing up and insanity, my next guest is Jennifer Van Lahr. She's the managing editor at redstate.com. She's got a huge story. She's been on the expenditures at the RNC, particularly poking at Ronald McDaniel because spending is out of control just like everything else in this country. And so Jennifer has uh, published a bombshell report on the issue. It's going viral. Here's the headline. It's an exclusive report. The RNC spent 1.1 on floral arrangements, limos, and Management and Media Consultants. So here to talk to us today about this story is Red State Managing Editor, Jennifer Van Laar. Jen, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Well, Jen, I know you've been on top of this story. Last year, you published another bombshell report on uh, Ronna McDaniels and her expenditures. And a lot of people might remember one of the the most interesting line items in there was her um, spending on Lululemon And uh, (laughs) it's just absolutely insane. But you didn't leave the story there. You kept digging and you have found an incredible amount of spending, um, including including things like $43,000 for Instacart deliveries, millions of dollars for floral arrangements or hundreds of thousands for floral arrangements. The list goes on and on. Tell us a little bit about what you've discovered, and I'm going to ask you about why we need to be paying attention.
1: Sure. So yeah, as you mentioned, last year I did this report, and it was right before Ronna uh, McDaniel was reelected, just letting people know, hey, this is where the dollars are going. And she got so skewered by it, We any logical person thought she's going to do a better job. Well, when in the fall, when it was coming out that they were having cash issues, I thought, well, let me just look at their spending again. For sure, they can't be doing the same things. Well, they were doing the same things and even worse because they have now spending over a million dollars on this management consulting. And even though originally I wrote in my article that some of it seemed to be legitimate because it was first of a touchy-feely management consult- executive coach person. Well, it turns out that person left her job as COO of the RNC and then a week later – started getting paid 20 grand a month to do management consulting with air quotes for the RNC.
0: Oh, isn't that so convenient? Just, so yeah. this is this E. Tina Jackson is this person you publish and you actually just published this on Twitter. Just recently you were, you were on Dana Lash's show, just before you came on here, you say E. Tina Jackson's last biweekly paycheck with the RNC was $8,584 Her last biweekly paycheck. And this is a former RNC COO. Yeah.
1: I mean, nice work if you can get it, right? <laughs> oh, so, and right before that, she worked for uh, the Equal Justice Works, uh, some kind of a nonprofit in uh, DC, a liberal nonprofit. She goes directly to the top of the RNC, which she doesn't put in her LinkedIn. She just writes National Political Committee because, you know, we wouldn't want people to easily be able to tell that she went straight from her cushy job uh, as chief operating officer who oversaw a lot of these expenditures of Rana's by the way in that job uh mm-hmm. to then getting 20 grand a month to consult i guess maybe on how to spend more money
0: <laughs> oh it's amazing well i'll start here Tell me what what are some of the expenditures that stood out to you to mo- the most as egreg- as egregious? Because I was reading your list, and yeah, some of it, you're right. Some of it is, I, okay, I, I understand how you could end up spending uh, over $100,000 on transportation or limos or stuff like that. That stuff right. adds up, and you are dealing with dignitaries. But that's not all that was in this report. What are some of the things that stood out to you?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, as far as the limo, even, they before Ronna came, people did not use limos, and she still maintains that they didn't use a single limo at all. Oh. That all of this cost was for charter buses, like when you go to little retreats or say they're coming out to the Reagan Library debate, you might need one of those little uh, vans to take 20 or 30 people someplace. She says the whole $309,000 in that line item in 13 months was for that. And if you break that out by month and you have anything to do with transportation, you know that that's not possible because they had only five events the whole year and we're not talking about thousands of people. So that was egregious. Uh, The floral arrangement. It's just. Why, why are we spending our money? There's another $45,000 that I didn't count in floral floral arrangements that were coded as being for decorations at fundraisers. So whatever. So I didn't put it in there. Uh, So it's, it's not like they were using that $70,000 for fundraising or, or something like that. Uh, what stood out to me most, like you said, the Instacart, you know, you're, you're getting uh, a total of $60,000 at what I would call break room supplies. And that's made up of Instacart to the office, uh, this bougie coffee company spending a $500 a month subscription to send uh carats of, Cold brew, which everyone, you know, I don't have a problem with that. I just don't think that donor dollars need to be paying for it. Uh, and then Nespresso, I know you love your Nespresso, but again, I do. Does, does, the, does the donor need to be paying for that?
0: Well, exactly. Well, let's talk about why this is such a huge story. And then we're going to get to their response to you, which is interesting. But, um, because tell us why we should we should care about this i I think i have my opinions but i want to hear from you first why is this a big story for republican voters to be paying attention to
1: well yeah because not just that it's what we're not spending money on so the Mm. dnc transferred at least 10 million dollars more to state parties they spent almost 24 million we did about 14 and on top of that, the DNC also sent money to state parties for data service subscriptions and that kind of thing, like for voter data. And so that's putting them way ahead on the things that actually matter with winning elections. They did for um, Get Out the Vote texting, they, the RNC spent $86,000. DNC spent $1.7 Whoa. And that's, you ran for office. You know exactly how huge that is. And the voter file maintenance, the DNC uh, 235,000, RNC 40,000, RNC claims that the million dollars they paid to this data trust company, that that helped to maintain voter files and then all state parties have access to it. And then all the candidates do, which, you know, is not necessarily true. And people who had campaign sidekick, which is the, the app that is used for that, they know that the data in there is not in any way up-to-date or really good oh, usable it data. it is not.
0: So, I had to use that yeah. when I was campaigning, and it it tells you which houses to knock on. It's got a lot of voter data in it, but it is, woefully out of date and very hard to use, frankly.
1: Right. So they're claiming that I should have counted that they spent $1,039,000 on voter file maintenance, which, okay, but anyone who uses your data knows that that is not a win.
0: it's not it's not a win again yeah somebody who was boots on the ground no absolutely not and when i called you know my gop to say hey i need more money for texting that's really where a lot of get out the vote is texting campaigns you know well we don't have the money we don't have the money well jennifer here's my thing just as a regular old voter i'm out there looking at people like Ronald mcdaniel trying to tell me, oh, the elites hate you. This is what's going on with the elitist Biden uh, administration. They're not living the lives you live. Well, you guys aren't living the lives that we live either. We wanna win elections and you're spending money on coffee. We're not winning. If we were winning, that would be one thing. We're not winning, we're losing. So I don't right. see what the payoff is here. Right, and then
1: their explanation of the Carhart expenses, which is like $3,000, just showed how out of touch they are. They said, well, we had to get clothing, which they also spent thousands of dollars on custom T-shirts and that kind of thing, promotional gear. We needed to have clothing for our operations staff so the staff in our office would recognize them, like their operations staff at headquarters, like people who do tech and that kind of thing. Uh They're saying they spent this Carhartt money on them so they wouldn't have to get their clothes dirty at work. And I wow. just thought, you think that this is a good response? <laughs> like, Unbelievable. What? <laughs> That's what we're up yeah, against. How do you we're up against. You not know who their coworkers are. I mean, why do they need to be identified by their different Carhartt clothing?
0: Right. It's not Target. <laughs> you're not working at right. Target, you're working <laughs> in a Beltway office. Yeah. Uh, well, let me read this response from the RNC from Emma Vaughn. She says, to This is directed at Jennifer. This story took several days of research, albeit sloppy research, to come to fruition, yet the RNC was only given 60 minutes to respond. Well, that's an improvement from the last time this dishonest and biased reporter wrote a hit piece on the RNC, Ooh, very pointed, where she didn't give us an opportunity to comment until after publication, the disregard for the truth and transparency still oozes through. For example, our team just took less than five minutes to poke through the DNC's expenses and found... $3 million in consulting and over 25,000 in beauty expenses. Yet in Red State's initial email to us, they claimed the DNC spent $0 on beauty expenses and only 100,000 on consultants. Do better. What is your response to that very (laughs) pointed statement?
1: Yeah, so she went and took all of the consulting expenses that the DNC paid in that time period and labeled them as management consulting. And the the RNC has millions of others, other dollars they spent on consulting in full. And I don't have a problem with consultants in politics per se, because if they have certain expertise that you can't afford sure. to keep on staff and things like maybe with data strategy, that kind of thing, like the really numbers, you know, spreadsheet kind of stuff, then fine. But it should be on something that's going to move the needle, not just on something that's a contract you give your friend. Or when you pay former employees, because that media booking consultant, she was also a former employee, and her her monthly fee is now double what she was getting at the RNC. So it's a weird pipeline that they have getting their former employees. That, so then they can go say, we lowered headcount to, to the uh, 168 but they don't add that they are giving these people huge contracts on the other side.
0: It's just, it's one hand washing the other. This is the big problem in the Beltway period, right? You you can send all the GOP people you want there, but the culture there is so rotten that all of this just becomes normalized. And then these people come out and say, you got to get out, you got to turn out the vote, but we're not spending the money where it needs to be spent. We have far too many country clubs. Republicans. They don't live where we live. I I find it it particularly vexing that Emma Vaughn's response to you was, well, look at what the Democrats spend. We're not Democrats. We're Republicans and we're losing. So why don't you start winning? And then maybe you have a case to be made.
1: Yeah, and that's the thing. If they were winning, we probably wouldn't be – or if they weren't com- continually saying how they need more and more money while losing, then maybe we wouldn't be looking at this stuff. And when the response is not as, oh, well, the Democrats do this, too, or the Democrats do whatever, and to call me names – and their other okay. spokesperson went on Twitter last night calling me names publicly. Uh, and they even in the part of the email that I didn't publish because it was before the statement, they uh, the, the headline or the subject line was, hello, old friend. And the woman, Emma, had just tracked me through a casino in Vegas to try to get pictures of me. And so it's just, it's all very shady. You know, why are they so worried about me and about attacking me when they should be, you know, I, I did give them 60 to 90 minutes, but then I ended up talking to them for 24 hours before I published and being sent on wild goose chases that they were saying, well, this is really what's happening. And of course, because I'm responsible, I wanted to make sure that, they were or were not correct and once i realized that they're just sending me on the wild goose chases i said forget it and i published so yeah they should they shouldn't need more than 90 minutes it's their expenses that they submitted to the fec that i'm looking at
0: absolutely well i'm glad people like you are out there jennifer on this story because if we want to win elections and we do then we need to hold our own people accountable too so get out there and do your freaking jobs So good on you. I I, am so glad people like you are out there, Jennifer, doing the hard work, the legwork. This takes a lot of time and effort. And that was a, a totally pathetic response, in my opinion. The response should be towards the voters and explaining themselves. Jennifer, tell people where they can find more about this story and more from you.
1: Thank you. They can find the story at Red State and then on Twitter at Jen Van Laar with two A's.
0: All right, well, thank you so much, Jen. I'm going to let you go. We've got to go to a break, but don't go anywhere. I'm Kira Davis filling in for Tony Katz, and this is Tony Katz Today. Welcome back to Tony Katz Today. I'm Kira Davis filling in for Tony today. And we've been talking about a lot of frustrating news, but I do have some good news for you. You've all narrowly avoided death today. That's right. An asteroid has passed close to Earth today, but it didn't hit us. So congratulations, everyone. We did it. We survived. I don't know if you're like me. Sometimes, some days you think maybe the sweet meteor of death would be a small mercy. But today is not that day let me read this report a rock roughly the size of a skyscraper is passing by earth today but it will be many times more distant than the moon now in terms of you know universal distance that's pretty close but to read this report an asteroid roughly the size of a skyscraper will pass by on friday nasa's center for near-earth object studies how cool it'd be to work at a place like that near-earth objects studies estimates that the asteroid could be as much as 1575 feet wide and it could make it close to the size of the empire state building in new york city but even at its closest it's expected to pass by earth at a distance of more than seven times that between the earth and the moon moon asteroid 2008 os7 was first discovered in 2008 imagine that Its orbit will bring it close to Earth again in 2032. Okay, so it's coming back. We got another shot at sweet meteor of death, but it'll be even more distant than it is now. The closest it will get is roughly 45 million miles from Earth, which is half the distance between Earth and the sun. So there you have it. You've narrowly avoided death today if you're looking for some good news And don't we all need some good news? I was we were talking previously to Jennifer Van Laar, managing editor at Red State, about the RNC's expenditures and why it's a problem. I understand the lifestyle of of corporate life. I get it. My husband's in corporate America and political America isn't that much different. I understand people throw around a lot of money. They spend a lot of things. And I think in a time when you're winning, that's fine. But don't come to the Republican voters and tell us you don't have enough money to do XYZ. You don't have enough money to fight the unions, which is what we really need to be focusing on, teachers unions especially. You don't have enough money for these texting campaigns. You don't have enough money for these things outreach that voters are really asking for. And then show me a report that says you gave your former COO twenty thousand dollars a month to quote consult. We're not winning. So they're clearly not doing their jobs. So yeah, this expenditure report matters. And that response to Jennifer Van VanLauren's report shouldn't have been, oh, well, you didn't look at Democrats numbers. The response should have been, we're gonna look more closely at these numbers because we're committed to winning. And that's what we wanna do for America. That's the response that should have been given. And instead we're getting the same old beltway garbage. So we're not just fighting this cultural slide, we're fighting our own party. It's a battle on many fronts, people. Get your boots on. We got a lot of work to do. All right, let's take a break. Don't go anywhere, though. We got a lot more to talk about. I'm Kira Davis filling in for Tony Katz, and you're listening to Tony Katz Today. Welcome back, everybody, to Tony Katz. Today, our last half hour on this Groundhog Day. Uh, It's been a pleasure to be with you all today. If you like what you heard, you want to hear more from me, best thing to do is go look up my podcast, Just Listen to Yourself with Kira Davis, and it's actually a podcast dedicated to critical thinking. It's called Just Listen to Yourself because I often hear people's talking points and I I think, are you even hearing what you're saying right now? A lot of what people say is just, it's a clip version, right? Of a thought. It's something they saw on TikTok or social media and it looks clever and they don't dig into it at all. So I think we need to dig into our ideas. So it's a lot of me just talking to myself while I'm talking to you, digging through my own ideas, asking myself questions, reasoning through issues and coming to a conclusion might not be the conclusion that you make. But my point is to help you clarify your own conclusions, even if it is, yeah, no, I, I, I've heard everything Kira had to say, and I actually disagree with it. I at least want you to be able to take that stand, to know what you believe. I believe political discourse gets a little less heated when everyone understands what it is they're saying and what they believe, because then it becomes an interesting political discourse instead of just your, your whole personal identity wrapped up in this. One of the episodes that I did over the last couple of weeks, I think you'll find interesting. I talked about Gen Z and work. You may have seen a lot of videos floating around. It's sort of a trend now. Gen Zers getting on TikTok, complaining about the work week, 40 hour work weeks, the cost of living. What is Gen X done to us? Yada, yada, yada. I break down one of those videos and I, I think there's a larger conversation to be had here because we hear a lot of whining, but I think there's more to this story. So another one of those videos has popped up. It's a young lady complaining about a 40-hour work week and the cost of living, and she's asking some questions. And I, I want to talk about it because I have some answers for her, but I have some answers for all of us. So I'm going to play this clip. It's a rather long clip. So probably what I'll do is is I'll, I'll have our producer play it, and then I'll just give him a verbal cue when, when I'm done with it. We don't need to listen to the whole thing to understand what she was saying. But here is a young lady. She's young blonde lady you know woman maybe 18 to 20 and and she's visibly upset and she's talking about work go ahead and play that clip why is it that I have to work 40 hours a week just so I can have a place to live 40 hours a week makes me two thousand dollars a month and my rent is 1660. So I work 40 hours a week so I can have a two-bedroom apartment and an extra
1: $300 a month. Like, it doesn't cover my phone, internet,
0: food, you know? So not only do I not have any extra money, but just working makes me so exhausted that I don't have time either. Like, I get off work at 5.30, come home. I'm just so tired. All right. You can stop that clip there. I want to make a comment first before I start this. Uh, Some of these videos are genuine and some of them are just click trolls. So I'm not, I have no idea which this is, but it doesn't matter because these videos are going around and there are some genuine sentiments about this. So producer Kyle and I were talking at the break Carl, excuse me. And he said, Oh, the first thing I noticed about that video was that she was paying $1,600 to live in an apartment uh, by herself. Why doesn't she have any roommates? This is something that I address on my podcast. The episode is called Gen Z and work. And again, the podcast is just listen to yourself. I break it down at length, but that was one of the first things that stood out to me too. And the other thing was that 40 hour work week and I have to work all these hours just to barely cover the costs. I can't pay everything with that 40-hour work week. And a lot of Gen Zers are saying, look, this isn't fair. You're telling us to go out there and support ourselves, but you've driven this economy into this hyper-inflation state where I can't afford anything. A, I, I think that's a fair assessment. We have done some real damage to this economy. Well, not me, because I don't vote for Democrats, <laughs> and they destroy the economy. But a lot of you people out there have. So there's there's there are valuable lessons to be taught to these young people in the midst of their complaining. And we shouldn't totally dismiss it. I know it does look whiny and childish, but we should hear what they're saying and we should use it as an opportunity to explain how taxes work, how inflation works, how these policies you're supporting, they're making your life more expensive. Rent control makes your life more expensive. I don't know where she lives, but I live in in Southern California. $1,600 for a two-bedroom apartment? First of all, baby girl, are you living alone? You don't need a two-bedroom apartment. If you're living alone and you're 20 years old, get a studio. It, it sounds like that'll be a lot cheaper than where you live. But I just looked at a, at, a, at a advertisement for a room in someone's house here in my suburb of California. Rent the room and you get your own private bathroom in someone's home for fifteen hundred dollars a month so a sixteen hundred is wow i'm like wow that's a steal but i live in california where the only thing you can do is steal (laughs) here uh baby girl when i was 21 years old i lived on the north side of chicago right next to the lake about two blocks from the lake i lived in a basement apartment two bedrooms uh, I'm embarrassed to tell you this, but this would have been right around 97, 98. <laughs> so in the 90s. But you're absolutely right that your life costs more now with inflation and just with the, the cost of rising cost of living, period, than my life did then. But I lived in a two-bedroom basement apartment on the north side of Chicago, and I had six roommates. Seven people. Lived in this two-bedroom apartment. So, uh, young folks, if you're listening to the sound of my voice and you're thinking that it's not fair that we've destroyed the economy for you and you can't afford to go out there and live, what kind of life are you asking for? I, I don't. I don't know anyone who moved out of college and into their own space, even back then, even in the 40s, 50s. In fact, there's no time in American history where people lived alone. This concept of living alone is a fairly new concept. Most people stayed lived communally. Their families stayed in the same place. Their generations lived together. Most people had more than one job. Most people worked more than 40 hours a week. Before we even had such a concept as a 40-hour work week, people were working way more than that. Most people who are successful work at least double 40 hours a week. The richest among us, the wealthiest among us, the people that you look look at as the silver spoon people, sure, some of them are trust fund babies but most of them just work all the time. You might see them flying around and see the pictures on the red carpet, but they work all day, every day. Also, again, wherever you live, I don't care if you live in New York City, let's say you live in Manhattan, one of the most expensive places on earth to live in. Let's say you live in Manhattan. Today in 2024, you're a young person and you need an apartment. Take, the, take uh, an average apartment in Manhattan, which is still co- going to be pretty expensive. Could you afford that apartment if you had six roommates? If seven people were living in that apartment, could you afford it? I don't care where you live. Ask yourself that question. The answer is almost always going to be yes. So you, we, Gen Z needs to reframe here, and we need to help them reframe here. <laughs> I do believe this is on Gen X. I'm Gen X because we are the leave, leave us alone generation. So we're kind of like, mind your own business. Just take care of yourself, do it. And because of that, we have really have left them alone to figure things out. We haven't told them about our lives and what we did and how we came up. Because we're just, we don't want to be whiners. We're head down people. But it's done a huge disservice to the next generation who are now coming up with bad ideas about the lives they're supposed to be living and that is another problem that we have here these kids are leaving school with these useless degrees hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt and they think they're supposed to be in a five-bedroom home in the suburbs right away we've not explained to them how maybe some of us got to these homes or maybe some of us got to a comfortable place we have to explain that to them I had seven people in a two-bedroom apartment. We had one bathroom. How do we make it work? I mean, now that I'm almost 50, I'm looking back. I'm like, I don't know how I could do that. I wouldn't do it again. (laughs) I I thought I was about to lose my mind being stuck in this house with four people during the pandemic. I don't know if I could do it again, but guess what? At 21, I did it because that's what you do to get on, right? You got to do what you got to do. Here's the other thing I want to address about Gen Z and work how we're doing them a disservice. We're telling them that the only place to be is where they are right now. And that is their only option. I know there are a lot of folks out there who say, you know, it's impossible to buy a home now. You can't, the, the costs are impossible. Home ownership is dipping. It is, it is impossible to buy a home if you want to buy a home in Los Angeles, if you want to buy a home in New York City or many parts of the state period. Yeah, it, that's, it's tough. That is hard. It's really expensive there. But do you know that homes, well, I think many of you in this listening audience would know, but homes in the middle part of the country, in smaller areas, parts of rural Texas, Montana, uh, certain parts of New York, smaller areas that are not in city centers, you are still able to buy affordable homes. My fa- I'm not suggesting you do this, but my father bought a house a few years ago in Baltimore as an investment. My father's from the Washington DC area recently passed away, unfortunately, but uh, he bought a house in Baltimore. It's, it's a three bedroom home. It's worth $160,000. Now, do you want to live in Baltimore? (laughs) Probably not. I don't think towards the end of his life, my dad even wanted to live there, but There is affordable housing. The problem is it's not where you want it to be. Everyone thinks that they're supposed to have what they want when they want it. I lived in Gary, Indiana for over a decade. I even raised a family there. Is it a great place? Uh, No, there's plenty of great people there. There's a lot of great people there. Unfortunately, their voices are drowned out by (laughs) all of the crappy people there and the crappy politicians. But it wasn't the best place on earth. But it was a place that allowed me to be a stay at home mother because my husband and I lived there and he was from there. So he had some roots. But because we lived there, we were able to survive on one income. We, will, we were able to purchase not one, but two homes. Again, very cheap homes because they were in the middle of the hood. But that was a sacrifice we made to be homeowners and to be people who were able to stay home with our children. And then we moved on. Now we live in Southern California. Where we're more poor than ever, <laughs> but live more luxuriously than ever. But I, I live in an area where my kids go to a safe, somewhat safe school, unless you count the ridiculous curriculum they're teaching. It's lower crime. It's, it's significantly safer than Gary, a step up. But that took time. That was a decades long evolution. And that's what Gen Z doesn't see, because everything's instantaneous from them, for them. Everything's right now, instant gratification. If I want information, I hit this button and I get it. If I want a song, I press this button and I get it. If I want to watch a show, I don't have to wait for Thursday night must-see TV on NBC. I could just queue it up on my whatever streaming service I'm subscribed to. If I want to hear my favorite celebrity talk about something, I go to YouTube. If I want to learn something, I go to YouTube. Everything is right now. That is what we're facing. In fact, I could tie that back to the RNC story and their spending. But the 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 Republican National Committee and Republicans in general are only strategizing for right now. They want everything right now and they don't want to make investments in the future. And the future is everything. It's what we're talking about in every aspect of what is wrong with our society right now, the future of safety, the future of crime, but most importantly, the future of our children and what we're educating them, what kind of future we're educating them to go after. We have work to do with Gen Z. I don't think it's fair to just leave them floundering. We need to be out there explaining these concepts to them, explaining how they make their own lives more expensive, by the way they vote, by the things that they ask for, and by the information that they ignore all right well we are quickly pulling into the end of this show i've got one more segment so don't go anywhere i'm kira davis filling in for tony katz and you're listening to tony katz today <laughs> A closing minutes of Tony Katz today. I hope you got something useful out of today. I know I did. I had a great time. Love talking to Jennifer Van Laar from Red State. Go to redstate.com to find that story. It's right on the front page if you go to Red State. And you take a look at those expenditures yourself. And you tell me if they make you comfortable or uncomfortable. And And I want you to look at those expenditures in the context of Are we winning where we need to be winning? And Jennifer pointed it out. Jennifer was one of my biggest supporters. She lives here in Southern California as well when I was running for school board. And uh, at the time I was working for Red State and very graciously Red State set me loose. They said, look, we're going to release you from a lot of your responsibilities while you go do this because they understood the task and they understood it was important because The people there want change. They don't just report for clicks, although clicks pay. They want change. And that's what we want to, that's why this report is so important to look at. We want change. And the people in charge have no incentive to change anything. Their lives continue on as normal while the rest of us flounder around. Nothing changes for Ronna McDaniel if you know if we don't say anything or nothing changes for her if the economy is good or the economy is bad a she's a wealthy and connected woman but b she has this job that keeps her wealthy and keeps her connected so that is what i experienced when i ran for school board here in southern orange county i wasn't just running against my democrat opponent i was actually running against the gatekeepers in my own party i had to get through them first before I could get to where I needed to be to make change. We have to root all this out. It's a lot of work. I get it. It's a lot of work, a lot to be done. But it's got to be done sometimes. and It's now or never. All right. It's time to go. If you want to hear more from me, you go check out my podcast. You will not be disappointed. There's an episode for everything, I swear. <laughs> so go look up Just Listen to Yourself with Kira Davis. Subscribe to that. Make sure you subscribe. That's, that's immensely helpful five-star ratings if you wouldn't mind sign up for my sub stack at justkiradavis.substack.com follow me on twitter at realkiradavis and go have yourself a good weekend all these problems will be here on monday until we meet again my friends peace out